0: You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session, tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations, or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small-s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started.
1: Good morning, good evening. Welcome back to the Spectral Skull Session. I am your host, Dane. Will the real Rasputin please stand up? Today is part of a new series we are doing on the show called Russia Gone Wild, and not in a fun spring break type way. We'll be doing a series of shows about crazy stories of the occult, paranormal, and parapolitical coming from that land of Slavic mystery, Russia. Before the tone of the show becomes off-putting, let me say I am deeply saddened by the war in Ukraine. The human toll is horrifying. I'm here in the independent nation of Georgia right now, and everyone who speaks some English has a story to tell me about a friend or a family member who has been affected by this war. Since the fighting began, I've had countless conversations with Georgians who have relatives over in Ukraine with Ukrainians who have fled or lost family members. I've also talked to Belarusians who fled to avoid complicity with their regime, which is cooperating with the Russian campaign against Ukraine. I've talked to Russians who rushed out of Moscow on a midnight flight to avoid the police, to avoid being conscripted into the Russian military. Everyone in this part of the world is suffering. The entire world feels like it's being torn apart from where I am, here in Batumi, Georgia. All that I can ask people to do, which you may not already be doing, is not to blame the Russians or even the Belarusian people for what's happening. Russia is not an open society. Most of the people there don't know what is going on. Many of those who do know what is going on have fled. Many coming here to Georgia where they're encountering a lot of anger from the natives. This is really strange to me But then I hear about it in the U.S. I hear about people pouring out their vodka, even though most of our vodka doesn't come from Russia. It just seems to me like people all over the world are looking for someone to hate on. And I'd encourage you not to do that, because hatred leads to the dark side of the force. Outside of that, there is not much we can do. Donate to support Ukrainian refugees and pray to our God or gods for peace. Okay, that's the end of the political dimension of this episode. We will be focusing rather on the parapolitical, the world of occult intrigue that moves in tandem with real-world politics. But I do think that some of what we'll talk about tonight will illuminate the new Cold War between the U.S. and the emerging Russo-Sino alliance. So the question for today, who is the real Rasputin? The so-called Mad Monk of Moscow, who took control of the Russian royal family in the 18th century. Sorry, I meant the 19th century. But anyway, this Rasputin has been haunting stories about Russia lately. Various Western news articles are saying that Russian President Vladimir Putin is the reincarnation of Rasputin. Others are saying no, it is Moscow-based pro-Putin political philosopher Alexander Dugan. So who is the real Rasputin? Is it Putin or is it Dugan? Well, it's not Isaac Newton. Let's pop this question open. Like a Russian tank gets popped open by a U.S.-made Javelin missile. Now, who is this original Rasputin anyway, and why is he tied up with the occult? Here's a recap for those of you who slept through your 19th century Russian history class. I know I did. And all of this comes from the website Cronin Casket, which had a wonderful summary of the life of Rasputin. Gregory Yefimovich Rasputin was a Russian mystic, born 1969 and died 1916. He grew up in Siberia with peasant parents. He's said to have had a checkered youth, but he went on a pilgrimage at the age of 28 to study at St. Nicholas Monastery. It was a roughly 421-mile trip from his home. There he studied with a starret for several months. A starret is a kind of religious holy man who also gives advice and cures people of their anxieties. To me, it sounds very much like an Asian sage. Here's a quote that I found in Sun Tzu's Art of War that seems to apply to this situation. Do not trust men with the word Putin in their last name. Thank you, Sun Tzu. He's a real sage. Okay, that was a joke. Sun Tzu didn't really say that. Of course, most of Russia is in Asia. It might make sense that the Russians have absorbed the idea of the sage, the holy man, who is also practically wise. Russia has its own history of charismatic holy men. So after studying with a Starit, Rasputin became a Stranik, or a holy wanderer. For many years, he wandered through Russia, gathering a small group of dedicated followers, People were very impressed with his charisma, his ability to give advice, and to cure diseases. And this led to him circulating among the Russian aristocracy. In 1905, he became involved with the royal family, Nicholas II and the Tsarina. Uh, One instance that solidified Rasputin's close bond with the family was the healing of—he healed the Tsarina's son, Alexei. Alexei was ailed with hemophilia, which causes your blood to fail to clot when you're injured. In this particular case, uh, Alexei had an internal hemorrhage, which looked like it would prove fatal. As a known faith healer, the family desperately consulted Rasputin. And he wrote them a letter that said, He said, God has seen your tears and heard your prayers. Do not grieve. The little one will not die. Do not allow the doctors to bother him too much. Probably good advice because the doctors at the time were fond of bloodletting, which tended to kill people who didn't have hemophilia. But if your blood doesn't clot, bloodletting will definitely kill you. Alexei made a full recovery, which led to Rasputin having full influence over the Tsarina and through her, the royal family. But the Russian nobility was extremely unhappy with Rasputin and his creepy influence. They also hated his eyes He was known for having creepy eyes. They believed he belonged to a heretical sect called the Kleists who practiced self-flagellation and orgies. Now that's an interesting combination. Let me editorialize here and say I bet there was some old-fashioned classism at work with the Russian nobility's hatred of Rasputin. He was a rare peasant who worked his way up to being closest advisor to the royal family. If you think white collar professionals, college students, and educators in the United States overreacted to the election of Donald J. Trump to the presidency, you can imagine how triggered the Russian nobility was. A faith healer as closest advisor to the Tsar? That's even worse than having a reality TV star as your president. In their defense, Rasputin did give the Tsar some disastrous military advice. During World War I, he told the Tsar that he personally needed to take command of the Russian army, this despite the Tsar having no practical military experience. Of course, Russian involvement in World War I was a disaster. Rasputin was subsequently assassinated by those same nobles who hated his creepy eyes. They lured him into a basement with a promise of cakes. Pro tip for those of you out there who are aspiring holy men, if people who hate you say... Come on down in this dungeon and have some cake. Good idea to go the other way. Turned out those cakes were full of poison. When the poison didn't work and uh, Rasputin continued to breathe, a nobleman walked right up to him and shot him in the chest. And then he died. But a few minutes later, he was up again. He charged the conspirators and fought his way into the streets where he made a desperate attempt to escape. There they shot him again in the back. With an American-made javelin missile. No. No, they shot him with another revolver. Then they bundled him off into a carriage, drove him to the St. Petersburg River, and dumped him in. He was later found by the police, frozen in the ice. So that was the end of Rasputin, the mad monk. Or was it? More recently, uh, Western sources have been saying that Putin is the real Rasputin. The Daily Star in 2017 boldly asserted just this with the January headline, Vladimir Putin is reincarnation of Mad Monk Rasputin. Here is a quote from that article. Truth seekers believe the great Rasputin, famed for his mythical faith healing, powers, and so-called affair with the king's wife, may have survived an assassination attempt in the early 1900s. And I'd just like to read to you some of the things that uh, are in this article. First of all, they have a photo of Putin and Rasputin side by side. And they say that the juxtaposition of these two photos gave rise to the speculation that Putin and Rasputin may be the same person. Of course, they look nothing alike, Putin being a short, balding man with a rather round face and weird ears that stick out of his head. And Rasputin, having been almost two meters tall, so I think that's like seven, almost seven foot, having a long, scraggly beard, thick head of hair, and severe, severe, intense eyes. The star claims without any citations that there's a small Russian sect that worships Putin and believes he has reincarnation abilities. Of course, that doesn't imply in any way that he is Rasputin. The article also claims that, excuse me, that Rasputin specifically requested that his genitals be pickled in a jar and preserved after he died. Again, there is no citation, but maybe they were able to clone Rasputin and turn him into Putin from those pickled genitals. That could explain why they look so different. Whenever you think one person is the clone of another and you're having trouble dealing with the fact that they don't look at all alike, you can just explain it in terms of pickling. Your pickled clone looks nothing like you. He looks like Doby from Harry Potter. Okay, that is just crazy, but maybe there's something to it While we're on the topic of Putin conspiracy theories, more recently, we've been hearing that Putin has Parkinson's disease, thyroid cancer. He's being treated with steroids. Perhaps he's been experiencing roid rage, and that's what explains the entire invasion of Ukraine. Seems to me that this would speak against the idea that he's the reincarnation of Rasputin. After all, Rasputin was supposed to have miraculous healing powers, but if Putin is dying, he certainly can't heal himself. One interesting thing, if Putin is on steroids, he wouldn't be the first, I hesitate to say great, but he wouldn't be the first noteworthy leader who lived in the 20th century to be on steroids. Um, Many people don't know that John F. Kennedy used steroids during his presidency. He had Addison's disease. He was regularly administered hydrocortisone and testosterone, as well as opioids, painkillers, and amphetamines. Despite doing a wide variety of drugs, Kennedy was able to lead our country, keeping us out of a catastrophic invasion of Cuba and avoiding nuclear war with the Soviet Union. So you could almost think of Kennedy as the anti-Putin. He's the guy who did not commit us to a catastrophic war. And he was on steroids. Instead of going berserk with roid rage, he had a relationship with Marilyn Monroe, a much better choice. Maybe Putin's just low in testosterone, that could explain a lot of his behavior. Returning to this idea that Putin might be a clone, something that perhaps points to the plausibility of this theory that I never hear anyone mention, Putin's enigmatic daughters are both in high positions in the world of Russian technology, and Maria Verostova, Putin's eldest daughter, believed to be about 36 years old, a licensed endocrinologist trained in Moscow, She is said to be Putin's advisor in genetic engineering, especially in the usage of CRISPR to create genetically engineered babies. So if Putin is cloning himself, he's keeping it inside the family. Moving on from Putin to this other character, Alexander Dugin. Many people have been saying that really the new Rasputin is Moscow-based political philosopher, Dugin. Born in 1962, Dugin is now 58 He's written over 30 books. It was 25 years ago, Dugin first called for the elimination of the independent nation of Georgia and Ukraine. In his book, Foundations of Geopolitics, published in 1997, he called for a Russian Iranian alliance and for Russia to foment dissent inside the United States. Now, that book is widely said to have been required reading at various Russian military academies, although I wanted to find some kind of better citation for that, and I could not, making me wonder how much is Dugan really being read. In 2008, Dugan came to Russian-occupied Georgia. For those of you who haven't been following the show closely, Russia controls about 20% of the nation of Georgia. So Dugan was able to come here to Georgia, but on the Russian side of the front lines, and there he gave a speech and said, our troops will occupy the Georgian capital, Tbilisi, the entire country, and perhaps even Ukraine and the Crimean Peninsula, which is historically part of Russia anyway. You can really hear this man back in 2008 basically prophesizing everything that would come to pass. Not only had he previously argued in favor of the invasion of Georgia, he also consistently argued for the invasion of Ukraine. This actually got him in hot water. In 2009, he became an important professor at Moscow State University. In 2014, he was offered the position of head of the Department of Sociology of International Relations of the Faculty of Sociology. I bet that sounds better in Russian. This was a coveted position that he lost because he made remarks that were interpreted as calls for the mass murder of Ukrainians. What he actually said was, kill them, kill them all. Of course, he said it in Russian. Apparently, this was so offensive, even in Moscow, he had to be removed from his position. What they actually did is they pulled a switcheroo on him in order to become head of the Department of Sociology of International Relations of the Faculty of Sociology. He had to resign his professorship and only then could he become the head. Well, he submitted his resignation of his professorship and then said, okay, I'm ready to be head. And then they said, well, no, actually, because of your remarks, And the outrage, you will not become head. So he actually lost, I guess he had tenure. He lost everything at Moscow University. This is something I think is worth noting. I was surprised by it. People in Russia were really offended at his suggestion that they should mass murder Ukrainians. This speaks to the point that I made at the beginning of the show. I think a lot of people in Russia just have no idea what is going on in Ukraine right now. I've learned, being here in Georgia, many, many people in Russia have Ukrainian family members many people in Ukraine were relocated to Russia during the Soviet Union, and so there's a big mixing of Russians and Ukrainians. Anyway, here's a good point to stop and say, is Dugin the mad advisor to Putin? I think there is a much better case to be made here that Dugin is the new Rasputin. Uh, although many sources I came across downplay Dugin's influence, I noticed at least four things. One, Dugin called for an invasion of Georgia before it happened back in 1997 and they didn't invade Georgia until 2008. Two, Dugin called for an invasion of Ukraine, again, before it happened. Three, Dugin called for the mass murder of Ukrainians. Now we see evidence that that is happening right now. So these points speak to Dugin having significant influence over Russian foreign policy, much like Rasputin had over the Russian royal family. Finally, Rasputin's bad advice led Russia into disaster, and now we see that happening with Russia following Dugin's advice. So my view is the better case can be made that Dugin is the real Rasputin. Unfortunately, this is really scary because Dugin has called for Russia to make a preemptive nuclear strike against the United States. Now, what got me down the road to doing this episode, I was reading articles about Dugan and they always say that his writings are somehow occult or influenced by various occult schools. I've seen Hermeticism and Gnosticism both mentioned. I found this very interesting because I couldn't see what connection a murderous and hateful uh, political philosopher uh, would have to an ancient tradition, Hermeticism, going back to the ancient Greeks, or Gnosticism, which is a sort of uh, Christian heresy that says you can achieve salvation through knowledge. I can't see Dugan caring about salvation at all. So I tried to dig into this. I found it virtually impossible to pin down. I did find a couple snippets that kind of explain why people keep Smearing him as an occultist, in an article titled The Rest Against the West, Dugin advocated quote, encouraging pacifist movements in the USA using neo-religiosity and neo-mysticism. So it sounds like he was trying to uh, encourage the Russian Federation to build a counterculture that would be pacifist. Well, I don't have a problem with that. I think that um, war is generally a bad idea. Sometimes these hateful and evil people are so twisted around, they don't know what they're doing. Uh, we also know Dugan had an early fascination with the Italian political philosopher Julius Evola, who advocated for a revival of traditional European paganism. Dugin seems to have, subsequent to his obsession with Evola, flirted with the idea of Slavic neo-pagan revival in some of his writings. So he seemed to have this thought that, well, maybe the Russians should be turning back to a real ethnic religion, a religion that's really grounded in Russia and not something that was imported from the Middle East, which would be Christianity. Given the poor performance of the Russian military in Ukraine, perhaps they should turn to witchcraft. At least they'd save a lot of money in all those tanks. In 1995, during an unsuccessful attempt to get elected to parliament, Dugin took part in a pre-election concert described as a black mass by participants in memory of the British occultist Aleister Crowley. During the performance, Dugan's supporters read out loud from Crowley's Book of the Law, including the quotation, Do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. Dugan is also reported to have met with figures from the Ordo Templi Orientis, a worldwide occult organization that Crowley was once a, once a leading member of. This is all from the Humanist magazine and their article Black Magic on Red Square. So what is going on here? Dugin clearly is some kind of Neo-Rasputin marching down the left-handed path. Unfortunately, as he and many Russians are about to find out, that's a path that leads to you getting whacked by an American-made Javelin missile. To end the episode, let me say I was really surprised to find myself having the view that Dugin is the new Rasputin because I started off thinking it was all just ridiculous All these articles, and um, well, honestly, I think I've made the better case. I haven't seen anybody make this strong of a case that Dugan is the new Rasputin, and um, it's also fun to rag on Dugan because he seems like kind of an idiot. If he has his way, he'll kill us all in a nuclear war, which I would not like to have happen. So, to end the show on a serious note, you know, I'd like everybody to again really take up that call that I made to pray, pray to your God. Our God, or gods, you know, ask that uh, we be spared of total self-destruction. I like this planet. I like being here. I like many of the other people who are here, and I'd like us all to keep on keeping on. Don't be too hard on the Russian people. Everybody's having a hard time, and they're as much victims of this craziness as uh, any of us are. We're all in this together. Stay strange and stay sane.